Hey, Chris Manning here from Locked On Cavs on a solo episode for this Wednesday, October 20th. We're going to cover six key stats for six key Cleveland Cavaliers players. Segment one, Darius Garland and Evan Mobley. Segment two, Colin Sexton and Larry Markkinen. And segment three, Isaac Okoro and Jarrett Allen. So that's all coming up today on Locked On Cavs, your daily Cleveland Cavaliers podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Also want to thank everyone for making Lockdown Cavs your first listen every day. We are free and available on all platforms. You are Locked On Cavs, your daily Cleveland Cavaliers podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. All right, so a couple notes before we dive into the stats uh, on today's show. Number one, Evan's off today. Obviously, it's just it's just me here. Uh, we'll be back after Kev's Grizzly, so tune in, subscribe, uh, hit that like button um, and, and that thumbs up button on YouTube, and hit that notification bell if you have not already. Um, and also, there is a little bit of reporting out there from CruiseFeedOfClean.com that Lowry Markkinen um, may start ahead of Isaac Okoro. At small forward, we will see if that is going to be the case. That's certainly uh, an interesting decision. Uh, if you've listened to the show before, it's not something I'm particularly uh, optimistic about as a solution for, for what the Cavs are, right? We'll see um, how that works out. There's also some people uh, we won't cover on this episode. So Taco Fall, Ricky Rubio, Kevin Love. There's like some guys that I don't think are worth thinking about in this way. I'm really focusing on the young guys, focusing on the young core, the whatever, the, the super six, whatever like name you want, what people are going to throw out there for these various young guys. We're going to dive into that, uh, into the guys that aren't those guys. So first up, as noted, Darius Garland, Evan Mobley, maybe the two most interesting players for the Cavs this year. And let's start with Darius Garland. Garland is obviously a really key piece for the Cavaliers and someone who's going to have a massive impact on what they're going to do and be this season. And I think there are a lot of different numbers, a lot of different avenues you could go to say, okay, follow this for the season and stick along. There could be a point, uh, you know, about his assist numbers, you know, his just raw assist numbers or assist percentage. If you want to go that route, you could do his assist usage ratio as your number. That is going to be such a big part of what he does that it is worth monitoring, right? Like, I think Garland, in the way they're setting this up, is going to be the connective tissue of the team. And if he isn't, you know, killer as a creator, as the lead creator, really, and probably doing some secondary creation in terms of moving the ball and getting keeping things flowing and picking up hockey assist and even assist where he's making the first out of three, four passes in a row to jumpstart something, then this is a Cavs offense that is likely going to struggle at times. Um, and, and, and it's already potentially not very good. But for me, I'm going to go with Darius Garland's three-point volume here. So last year, according to Cleaning the Glass, he was in the 32nd percentile of guards last year in three-point rate, and that was down from a round league average in that 50th percentile the season before. Garland's numbers suggest that he is actually a pretty darn good shooter. 40% overall from three last year, 39% on corner threes, 44% on corner three-pointers. That was an improvement from his rookie year, which obviously was wonky, had the injury issues cut short uh, for a lot of different reasons. So take that all into consideration. 
But let's just see what happens if Garland starts launching more threes, both off ball and as the team plays fast and moves the ball and and then three-point looks that come from him running a pick and roll, him running a big spread pick and roll where Mobley or Allen are skirting for him very high up the floor. If he takes them in isolation late in the shot clock, situations like that are, are kind of what can help him level up as an offensive guard. He doesn't have, if you want to compare him to someone in his draft class, someone the Cavs are playing tonight in John Morant. John Morant is much more athletic. He is much more explosive. He, he will get downhill and punish you with dunks and, and try to yam on your head at all costs. He also has shown to be a really good cutter and a very interesting player off the ball in ways to kind of make up for his lack of that consistent three-point shot that we haven't seen yet. Garland just doesn't have that athleticism, that raw kind of explosiveness that, that really makes Morant so intriguing, right? So if Garland's going to level up towards being a all-star level player, a cog of this franchise going forward, to me, it is something that has to come from the three-point shooting. His mold is going to be taking pull-up threes. It's going to be taking step-back threes. It's going to be making a ton of threes and ramping up the value and becoming more efficient. You know, still take a floater, still take a pull-up J here and there, but really take more threes, really get that going and spread his game out and kind of stretch the defense out too. If he's going to play with Isaac Okoro, He's going to play with two bigs who might not be able to shoot. I think one of the things you need to do is really just get him spreading out the floor and stretching things out. It feels like such the obvious step for me in terms of what he needs to take a step forward at on the offensive end. It's clearly a three-point shooting. Let's see if the volume goes. Let's see if that can get ramped up a tick. And let's see if the percentages hold. Because if they do, that's the foundation of a really, really good offensive player. So for Evan Mobley, I think there are a few ways you could go with this as well. You could do a defensive number. I mean, you could look at on-off on numbers if you wanted to kind of take a bigger macro approach to this. Sometimes those can be fluky, but you know he's a rookie, etc. But you could also look at how many three-pointers he's going to take as just a as a note of curiosity, right? Um, you know, I would accept minutes played honestly as an option, considering how important it'll be for him to get his feet wet and for him to play a lot because. This year is, for me, really about understanding what you have in Mobley. It's about getting his feet under him as as he adjusts to the NBA. But I'm going to go with his assist usage ratio because Mobley's passing is one of the things that makes him such a fascinating player. Um, it's such an interesting part of his game. And to me, looking at the preseason, taking what the coaches have said and whatnot, it seems like the Cavs are going to use him as a hub at times and rely on his playmaking to to make some things flow. You're going to see him at the elbow catching an in inbounds pass and dishing it back. You're going to see him um, bringing the ball up at times off of live rebounds. You're going to see him be a guy that has to be part of the Cavs offense to flow and passing the ball and getting guys open. I think him as a, as a guy feeding cutters coming around him, you know, maybe some high low action with Jared Allen, if they could kind of create some um, energy to that, right? Like we saw them do that last year with, with Kevin Love and Drummond a little bit, and it was very static. It was very just kind of, not really aggressive or not really making things easy. And if you're going to do this and you want to feed this, you got to, you got to make it easy. And Mobley could be a guy with his passion that can make things easier for everyone else. If you want to look at like kind of where this might go, um, if you want to say, okay, he's done this really at a high level and he can kind of, we look where he's going to go. It's not apples to apples. They're a little different players. Obviously I think, you know, towns, the guy I'm going to Carl Anthony towns, the guy I'm going to talk about here is more of an offensive player. Mobley's defensive upside is, you know, seemingly much, much higher than what Towns has shown in the NBA. But something like Carl Anthony Towns' rookie year, where his assist usage ratio was uh, 0.49, so 53rd percentile among bigs as a rookie. 
seems like a benchmark for Mobley that he could probably hit. If he can do that, and we see right away that he can read defenses, that he can make quick passes, that he's going to juice the offense a little bit, that'll lead you to interesting things with him. You can start using him. You know, you can add in layers to the offense. Use him as a creation hub more explicitly. Um, we've seen in the preseason where I think he's moving really quickly in post-ups and not letting defenses load up against him because he's so darn skinny and he's going to be screwed if that happens. Well, if you can do that and he can make quick decisions out of the post and use his height and his length to his advantage and has good instincts on reading defenses, like this all opens up some things if the creation is there and if you're going to get good results, good you know higher assist percentages versus turnovers versus just Aaron passes, whatever, I'm, I'm all, all for it. Um, so I want to see that from him. Um, we're going to take a quick break here. After the break, we're going to go into Colin Sexton and Lowry marketing. Uh, we'll dive into those two guys. Another two key pieces for the Cavs. And remember, in break three, we'll talk about Isaac Okoro and Jared Allen. First, though, we got to tell everyone about our friends at Sweatblock. Sweatblock, we've been talking about for a few weeks now. Their wipes are, are going to stop sweat for seven days. And it seems people have been listening. We have friends at Lockdown who've tried Sweatblock and love it. For instance, we have a story here about a high school teacher. He'd pit out by the fourth period. He'd hear this, the snickers and the whispers from students. So he started bringing a second shirt to change into between classes. Then he heard about Sweatblock from one of the Lockdown Gray podcasts. He tried it, and now he's hooked. And no more, no more snickers, no more second shirt. We have a Hollywood producer who works on a set of Marvel movies. Maybe you've heard of Marvel. And he's working 18-hour days in that Atlanta heat. Well, he used Sweatblock and started trying it and loves it. No more sweaty production days. She even reports that one of the A-list actors use it, maybe maybe the green one, and it, it's to stay dry on set and on the red carpet. There are soccer players. There are you know other podcast hosts that use this. I know Evan loves Sweatblock, and I love Sweatblock as well. So look, Sweatblock's the real deal. There you go. Lockdown listeners also like you love Sweatblock. To stop excessive sweat for up to seven days per use, doctor created, doctor recommended. There's a dry shirt guarantee. If sweat block doesn't keep you dry, you get your money back. And it's not just for armpits, chest, back, feet, hands. Use it anywhere, and I mean anywhere. Um, that sweats. If you or someone you know is dealing with excessive sweat, you have to check out sweat block. Give it a try for 20% off at sweatblock.com with promo code lockdown. And you can also find it at Amazon and CVS. All right, so let's talk about Colin Sexton. Let's talk about Lowry marketing uh, to start with Colin Sexton. He's obviously such a uh, lightning rod player for, for the Cleveland Cavaliers. He is such a lightning rod player in terms of his importance on the season this year, his contract situation. If you haven't heard Evan and I talk about that, go back to the, our two previous shows for deep dives into what's going on with Colin and, and what could be coming next for him and why it fell apart and whatnot. But with Colin, he is a little bit complicated in this because I think I could just go through the Garland point again, talk about his three-point volume, and talk about needing to push his game in that direction. It's obviously something that he's added to his game. He came into the league, you know, very uncomfortable taking three-pointers. There's a, a play that is etched in my brain where he dribbled in from a corner three, and he's really become a true shooter. There's one month every year, it seemed, where he really dips off. Look at January from last year and maybe even the year before and, and see how much he really dipped off. But he's overall looks like a good shooter. Let's see the, how it holds with the volume going up. I think you could also look at his foul drawing. Last year, you know, he's in the top 10% of guards in terms of foul drawn, according to Clean Glass. Is that going to hold? Is that sustainable? Is this something that um, you could even tap into more with his cutting and, and with other avenues to kind of get him the ball in, in interesting spots and use his athleticism to kind of make up for some of the height issues he has? 
that aren't really his fault, but just the reality of him being 6'1". But for me, I'm going to go with a kind of a, a dual pick here. So last year, he had an assi- assist usage ratio that was just a tad above the bottom fourth of the league, 27th percentile. And this was his career best, mind you. So not very good. And then he had a turnover percentage below league average for what cleaning the glass com- uh, defines as combo guards at 11.7%. That, for what it's worth, was the same number as the year before when he was classified as a point guard. And um, it just little bit of more names he's kind of compared against and when he's a combo guard and he is a combo guard so sexton if he can be a player who can feed others more be impactful beyond scoring at a higher level is a a player that helps the Cavs be better and b helps him get the kind of contract he's looking for it I, in my mind it'll also have been garland coexist if as we expect the ball is out of the hands more this year and garland takes on a bigger creation role a bigger role in the offense this is necessary for Colin to succeed he has to be a guy that becomes more malleable feeds into the greater scheme of what the Cavs are doing this has not all been on him let's make that very clear there has been times where i think the Cavs' offense has been designed stagnant the drum and stuff last year was obviously just a black hole of of lack of offensive efficiency injuries Bizarre seasons have all contributed to, I think, some of the issues Colin has had. And he's definitely developed. There's no doubt about it that he's a better player full stop than he was when he came into the league. He adds something to his game every year. The work ethic stuff that you hear about him is true. That he is an absolutely maniac when it comes to putting in the work that he needs to. But the feel of the game, the kind of ability to feed other guys, to kind of play within a bigger ecosystem, um, and particularly when he's not going to have the ball in his hands as much, I don't think, you know, not only is it Garland, but Mobley's here. Um, the Cavs are trying to play faster. You know, Ricky Rubio's here. Like, there's all these factors that are going to take him out of just a central role where he's going to be able to run a pick and roll, take a pull-up J, get to the rim, take a three, whatever. He's going to have to feed into this overall ecosystem, and he'll be better for it. I think the Cavs will be better for it. It'll help him get paid, in my mind. But we got to see it happen, and those are kind of – it's assist-usage ratio. You know, is, is he going to pick up some just more assists? Um, you could throw hockey assists in there as well. There's probably a way to, that we could I can go through and calculate, um, or maybe I'll ask our friends at Clean the Glass to loop in, you know, hockey hockey assist with assists and just kind of ramp it up even more. But to me, that is the place to look with him. It's obviously improved. I think he's a better passer at times than he gets credit for. He's just not a very creative passer in the way Garland might be. But it's got to hit another level, I think, for the Cavs to to, to improve in some way, and for him to be really locked in as part of uh, of whatever is being built here. As for marketing, I, I think it is just so obvious. It's his three-point shooting. The Cavs paid him. They traded him, traded for him, excuse me, to come in and shoot three-pointers and space the floor. Marketing shot 40.2% last year uh, from three with Chicago. That's the best number of his career. And most importantly, in my mind, according to NBA.com, marketing was 40.5% on catch-and-shoot three-pointers, and that made up the vast majority of his shot volume, particularly from three. So if marketing marketing can be that, if he's in that 38, 37 to 40 range and he can hang enough defensively and, and you know, get some rebounds, um, if some of the post-up stuff we've seen with him is just kind of cut out of his diet and you find him as a cutter, as a slasher, and as a shooter and you don't ever post him because he just doesn't have that in his bag, then he's probably a useful player even if he's imperfect and he'll help the team. This becomes, I think, even more paramount if he's going to be the starting three-pointer, starting three, starting three, and play a lot with Mobley and Allen. If you haven't, you know, as I mentioned at the top of the show, Chris Fedor is indicating that that may happen. Um, we'll see what JB says. Uh, we're recording this at 10 a.m., so we don't. We won't. JB is very cagey about this. We will not know what 
the starting lineup situation is um, until I think before tip or, or he may even decline to, to name it in his pregame media availability, but marketing has to shoot if that's going to work. There's no argument that he's going to be able to defend threes. Like I, I think it's kind of going to be weird to like Kyle Anderson is not like KD, but he's really skilled. Um, he's a wing. He, he knows how to kind of operate the ball in his hands. Like that's not an easy thing for marketing to chase around. Um, you know, it, of the small forwards in the league, like that, I can see how you could say, okay, we can we can maybe do this with him in theory, but it's putting a lot of pressure defensively on Moby and Allen to cover up for Marketing, who's just not I'm not a very good defender, has never proven to be an impactful defender. If Marketing is going to succeed in those lineups, and you're going to just say, okay, we need this spacing, Isaac, he's not there with a shot yet. You know, we we need just someone who's going to bomb threes off ball and, and provide stretch out the defense a little bit. Then I get how you get there. I it's not. I don't think what I would necessarily do. I'm a little. I'm very skeptical of it being a thing that like actually over the course of a season will bear out. The Cavs have thrown these lineups out, and I know people get excited about them. I just there's never been like data or film to me that suggests like, hey, these things are actually really good. Marketing doesn't like provide the the you know secondary playmaking Larry Nance did for instance. He doesn't you know Kevin Love even if you were going to say okay we're going to put Kevin there Kevin's obviously going to be worse on defense. He's older, less athletic, and all that stuff. But like he's a very good passer still. Like he just will pass things open in a way marketing just doesn't isn't capable of doing. So if you're going to do this, marketing has to shoot. Marketing has to bomb threes at a high volume, five, six a game, and he has to shoot them at that 40% clip. Like it has to be that way if marketing is going to end up playing meaningful minutes as a wing. Um, I think he's kind of, he is kind of a wing, at least offensively, defensively. I just, he's six eleven you know, doesn't have like the ability to stay in front of wings. Are you going to have him chase around shooters if they're playing the three? Like there's just a lot of questions I have, but if he shoots threes, like I can see how you talk yourself into it, even if it is not my personal, I guess, idea of what I would do, but that's why JB Bickerstaff makes a lot of money and I'm hosting a podcast, but you know, lockdown's pretty great. Uh, so that's where we're at with Lowry. It's, it's really just about the shooting for him. If he doesn't shoot well and he's, not doing that, then I don't, there's no point of, of Lowry marketing really. Okay. After the break, Isaac Coro and Jared Allen are up to finish up the show. Um, Isaac kind of feels like a good bridge here to touch on with Mr. Marketing. But first we got to tell everyone about our friends at built bar guys. Cook cookie. No chunk is back right now. They have blueberry muffin right now. They were kind enough to send all the hosts a little box with the pumpkin uh, puffs, which are great. And the blueberry muffin bar, which might be my new favorite built bar in the mail. But look, Bill Bar has so many great flavors. Co coconut, cherry barcia, mint brownie. Uh, John Corrales, I know, is a, from Lockdown Celtics and Lockdown them is a big fan of salt to caramel. I think cookie dough chunk is probably my favorite, but dang, that blueberry brownie is great. If they ever bring back the coconut brownie chunk, I'm going to go broke buying those. Look, if you haven't tried any of the flavors, you can get a mix box for two for with two flavors, with two of each of the nine flavors, excuse me. And remember, not only are Bilt Bars the best tasting, they're healthy. So, you know, you get this Bilt Bar, you're going to get 17, 80 grams of protein, calories ranging from 130 to 180, with only 4 to 5 grams of sugar and only 4 to 5 grams of net carbs. So if you order Bilt Bars today, promo code LOCKED15, and you can get 50% off your order with that promo code. You're going to be getting the best tasting protein bar. You're going to be getting the official protein bar of both the U.S. track and field team and NASCAR. How cool is that? And you can use this promo code in perpetuity. So go to builtbar.com, promo code LOCK15, order that cookie dough chunk, order that blueberry muffin, and you can save 15% with code LOCKDOWN. And look, also got to tell you about our friends at Bet Online. 
A new web interface is something they've debuted for the start of the basketball season, and it includes more props, odds, and lines than ever before. For instance, they have the Cavs as 7.5-point underdogs for Cavs-Grizzlies on Wednesday night. BetOnline remains the number one spot for all your basketball and football action this season. Head to their new updated desktop or mobile site to sign up today and receive your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. All you got to do is use the promo code Locked On to receive your bonus. From basketball, football, baseball, playoffs, NHL, boxing, UFC, and right to your favorite Vegas casino games, do not wait to take advantage of all the amazing offers available for the 2021 season. BetOnline is the fastest and easiest way to bet on all your favorite sports. BetOnline, where the game starts. Again, promo code locked on for that sign-up bonus. Okay, last segment, Isaac Okoro and Jared Allen. Okoro's is obvious. It is also three-point shooting. He's already a good defender. I can see how you might want him to get more steals, get some more blocks. You know, he, he is sort of a no-stat kind of impact defender right now. And he's going to have to have a place, but I think he's going to have a place in the NBA as long as he can remain a quality defender. But for him to hit his peak, to max out his potential, his shot has to come around. So last year, Isaac shot 28.9% of three-pointers overall. That was on 3.1 attempts per game. That's just not good. That's bad, full stop. Can't sugarcoat it. Uh, for comparison, if you want to look at Matisse Tybal, it's sort of a comparison for him. Tybal, another really good defender, maybe one of the very best perimeter defenders in the NBA. He shot 31% from three last year in summer volume. And it's, he, you know, he's not a lock to be in closing lineups for the Sixers, despite, again, being one of the very best defenders in the league. That's just the reality of, of these kind of players for these kind of players right now. To go into a core further, so last year, 24% on non corner three pointers. So think about above the break threes, top of the key threes. That's from cleaning the glass. Um, from that, 29.7% on catch-and-shoot three-pointers versus 262 on pull-ups per NBA.com. He took mainly catch-and-shoot threes, which is kind of the right shot diet frame, but still not very good. Notably, he shot 35%. That's a, about, if this was you know all three-pointers, um, that would be about league average. 35% on corner threes is at least a good indicator that he can shoot well somewhere on the floor, and you can do some stuff with that. That's a lot of numbers. So let's just break it down really clean. Isaac Okoro is not a good shooter. Corner three-pointers were his best spot. That's not surprising. It's the the most, uh, it's the shot that is most well shot in the league among three-pointers. And that's at least a positive sign that Okoro can make shots somewhere and that it's not totally busted. But this has to improve for Okoro to be his best and be the, the player the Cavs drafted him to be and I think hoping can be and I think need him to be. I'm as high in him as anyone. I think he's absolutely outrageous as a defender already. I would trust him one and one on one. Uh, throw him out there; he's going to handle it as well as any young player can. He's already really strong. He's really skilled. I'm a big, big believer in Isaac Okoro, and um, he's kind of, from all accounts, he's got that same kind of workout that Colin has. And and I think he's going to improve for as long as he's around. There's just no denying that he has to be a better shooter. Teams are going to ignore him. They're going to clog up the paint when he's on the floor if you don't have the other spacing around him. It just becomes hard to to play a guy a ton that impacts how much you want to pay him, how you want to build with him. It, it's just an unfortunate reality of where he's at right now. And if they want to level up, I can understand, again, how they're going to maybe start marketing to start the year, or at least on some nights. We'll see how this goes and progressing through this in, in some capacity. Um, if he could get to something like league average around 35%, you know, and, and mix in cutting, mix in attacking sloppy clothes. That's all that stuff. 
that's a really, really good sign for Isaac. We'll see again if he can get there, if that can be a thing that he can figure out as the year goes on. But that's where we're at with him, and it's all about the three-point shooting. Let's see how he does. Let's see how it looks. Let's see if he can he can find his his place as a shooter. And if he does, I you have a ready-made really good player right there. And every team needs guys like that. They're really hard to find. Three and D wings, you can throw out some silly contracts with them at times. Like obviously the Jetty contract was sort of an idea to do this and it hasn't worked, but I, I'm I'm still an Okora believer. But if you're skeptical and the shooting doesn't come this year, then it's a little bit like, okay, like what do we really do with with this kind of guy? When again, you have someone like Tybal who's really good, maybe the best perimeter defender in the NBA. One of the very best, at least one of the best young ones at the very least. And it's hard to play him all the time because shooting is at such a premium for the wing position in the league. All right, as for Jared Allen to wrap this up, let's look at his shooting in the short mid-range. So that's the 4 to 14-foot range, uh, roughly. Last year in games, his games with the Cavs, he took a higher percentage of shots in that part of the floor than he ever had before, and he did it well. So, A, is that going to happen again if the Cavs' spacing is tight and teams pack the paint? That's what happened a lot last year, and he was kind of pushed out a little bit, had to make more hook shots, had to make more kind of quick little jumpers, etc. And B, can he shoot that well in that spot again? So, if he's going to hit a high number of those shots, that shows that he's capable, um, that shows that he can at least like adjust to some of that. That's good if you're going to pay him $20 million a year, and he's can show you he's a little more than just a, a lob catcher and finisher at the rim. It's a smaller issue within the Cavs overall offense. Like this is not going to make or break them taking a big step forward on offense and getting out of the cellar of the league on that end of the floor. But it is just going to potentially be important for the Cavs functioning. It's still not going to be a, a super spacious, luxurious offensive experience for the Cavs, especially when you're playing him and Moby together. And again, this is how I guess you can get some market and starting to provide the shooting. Um, but, but it's going to, if he's going to, have to take these kind of shots again and, and find success in sort of inopportune circumstances. It'll help the team function. It'll help the team get by an offense. If he can kind of make these kinds of shots again. And that wasn't just like a one year fluke that this is something he really, really can do. And then this is part of what he is uh, going forward. All right. So that is going to be it for today's show. Again, we'll be back for Cavs Grizzlies. Evan and I, and my co-host who's not here right now for our first game recap of the season. So come back tomorrow for, or, for Evan and I breaking down Cavs Grizzlies. That is an 8 p.m. Eastern Standard Time tip from Memphis. Uh, we'll break down that game in rich detail. We're back to normal here. We're really amped for the season. So hitting you five days a week. And remember, uh, if you haven't already, please hit subscribe on YouTube or whatever podcast platform you're listening on. Be well. Enjoy tonight's basketball. And we'll talk to you tomorrow. I'm Chris Manning. Peace.